Welcome to the Called Women podcast, a dedicated space for women ready to venture beyond the familiar and embrace the whispers of their true calling. I am your host, Natasha Miller. Join me as we dive into remarkable stories of resilience, celebrating the beauty of blooming in our own time and navigating the sometimes uncertain path to purpose. This podcast is more than an invitation for you to simply step into your unique place in God's story. This is a sacred space where your gifts are not just celebrated, but are needed. So I encourage you not to simply listen, but actively embrace the journey ahead where every episode we are specifically creating for you to make that step closer to fully realizing the extraordinary calling that awaits you. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to share a quick secret with you. We have a monthly private episode for women who are subscribed to our weekly free newsletter. So I wanna make sure that you're a part of this community because when you are a part of the newsletter, you're able to submit questions where I will personally answer them on a private episode. So if you have questions about your calling, something you wanna be coached through, or if you simply need some encouragement, you wanna make sure that you are a part of the newsletter community. Remember, this podcast isn't my podcast. This is our podcast. And I want you to get your personal questions answered. The link to subscribe to that free newsletter is in the show notes. It's also pinned in our free Facebook community. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode on the Called Women podcast. I am so excited about my conversation with Ashley Kirkwood today. Y'all, I have had the privilege and honor to be able to watch the journey of Ashley. And I know, I'm confident that the conversation that we're going to have today is going to inspire and encourage you. So before we get into our conversation, I want to share a quick bio on who Ashley is and what she does. So Ashley Kirkwood is a lawyer and she is the lit lawyer. Okay. And you're going to be able to see that as she communicates with us today. Um, She's also the founder of Speak Your Way to Cash. And um, she's also, you know, just an amazing woman who really has a heart to see women, uh, you know, be in purpose to see women uh, live a life that is uh, filled with hope and light for others. So Ashley, welcome to the Called Women podcast. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yes. So I know I kind of shared a quick snippet of who you are. Is there anything else that you would like to let our audience know about you? Well, you know, my husband and I, we spend most of our time helping experts and entrepreneurs grow their businesses using speaking as a sales strategy. So we've done everything from helping them grow their coaching businesses to their legal businesses. I used to own a law firm, as you know. Um, And then we've just, we've been doing it by inspiring people through live events. And so we love that. But before all that, we were actually ministers um, at my dad's church and then at his dad's church because we're both PKs. And we've just had such an incredible journey of growth. Um, And I'm a toddler mom. So shout out to all the toddler moms out there praying for your sleep. Um, (laughs) So that's a little bit more about me. Yes. No, Ashley. Yes. So I've known Ashley for, I think, like over seven years. Um, She was actually the first 
she was actually the first lawyer that we had hired for our company, Miller Media Group. And oh my gosh, she's the bomb, y'all. She's the bomb. So um, it's been really cool watching your evolution, right? We met, I believe probably in like 2017, 2018. And um, I remember meeting her and y'all, she was just filled with so much joy and so much um, peace too. It was like, man, this woman is different. There's something really special about her. So I know that you had mentioned, um, you know, briefly on uh, your husband and what you guys are doing now, but I would love for you to just share your journey into accepting that, you know, that, that, I'm sorry, I would love to know more about your journey and accepting that you were called to do more. Um, I know a bit of your story as a young child and just the family uh, that you came from uh, to where you were exposed to a lot of truth. You were exposed to a lot of, you know, different possibilities. And at a young age, like, did you know that you were different? And if so, <laughs> how did you like manage that? How did you learn how to embrace that? I knew that so I didn't know I was different. I just I just realized in making friends, honestly, as I got older, that my upbringing was unique. So my my mom um, stayed home with us for a while and just gave us a lot of confidence, my brother and I. And then she had a I had a nanny growing up, and her name is Lovey, and she would like put me in front of the mirror and be like, "Okay, who's that pretty girl right there?" And I'd be like, "Oh, that's me." And she would have me like turn around in the mirror and just have me repeat it all the time. And I didn't realize until much later when I did my TEDx talk that I think that that in combination with knowing that my parents loved each other and loved us, that really gave me a level of boldness that a lot of my peers didn't have. And as I started to make friendships, I realized that a lot of people didn't necessarily see love at home. So it was hard for them to share love outside of the home. And I think that's something that I still grapple with today is like my mom's had the same friends since grammar school. So I've seen long-term women friendships. I've seen loyalty amongst friends. I've seen solidarity when people go through hard times in both of my parents and their relationships, but that's apparently not typical. <laughs> so in making friends, in, in dealing with like bullying, in dealing with people being, you know, jealous or maybe even um, like malicious towards me, I remember responding with uh, with confusion rather than anger. Like it just didn't make sense. Um, and I think in college, it was very apparent that, okay, maybe maybe there is something very different about me. Maybe maybe I am supposed to do something with, um, with my gifts. I, I was raised to be a lawyer. Like my parents were like, you're gonna be a lawyer. You're gonna go to law school. And in college was the first time where I really explored my creativity holistically. So that was when I started doing, um, I did pageants and I entered competitions for, um, for pageants. I think I did two pageants in college. And then I planned events and started kind of coming up with my own creative ideas and marketing campaigns and doing guerrilla marketing. And like, I used to plan parties and I would like take money at the door. Like that was what I really realized. Maybe I could be an entrepreneur, but I was still very scared <laughs> because it didn't seem stable. And I knew I had these gifts and I knew I enjoyed it, but I really thought that was just something that I would have to give up after college because I had to get a real job. So 
so I went to, um, I went in, went to law school. Well, I didn't get in law school my first time. So I took a marketing job and a sales job right out of um, undergrad and applied to law school and didn't get anywhere. Then I finally got into one law school after going to the admissions office almost every day and basically like telling the admissions officer I was not leaving without my blessing. Okay. So either you let me in or we go to see each other every day. And she let me into law school and I got all A's. Like it was the first time in my entire life. Like I can't remember being a kid getting all A's, but I remember getting all A's and just studying, um, just developing my own system for how to study. And in undergrad, I think I graduated with a 2.1 GPA. So going into law school, getting all A's, having to really prove myself, I loved learning, I loved studying. And that was the first time I realized, not just that I could speak well, because people had told me that my whole life, but that I was smart. And that was a huge mindset shift for me, for people not just saying, oh, you sound smart, to like, oh, what are your, oh, you're, you're number three in the class, you're smart. And that gave me a level of confidence because I had to develop a skill that I did not previously have. I didn't know how to study in undergrad. I knew how to like develop good relationships with teachers. I knew how to, you know, I knew how to plan events. I knew how to be sociable. I knew how to, you know, I knew how to use influence. I didn't know how to just sit down and study. And what I realized is I was relying on natural gifting. I wasn't developing discipline or skill, which are two different things. So law school taught me that I can learn any new skill if I also have discipline. And that is a principle that has helped us to be successful in business. So from that first law school, I ended up transferring to Northwestern Law, um, one of the top law schools in the country. Graduating from there, worked at Kirkland & Ellis, one of the largest firms in the world. And I had a trial firm job for several years, federal trial law. That was my dream job. And I learned a really important principle when I got that job, which is, I set my goals too low because once I got the job, there was like nothing else for me to get. So I lost, I lost like that drive. Cause I was like, well, I'm here. What do I do now? And so then the next goal was partner, but it didn't feel, it didn't feel fulfilling. I was making a lot of money. I was spending a lot of money because I didn't feel whole from making a lot of money. So I never kept any of it, you know? And that's, that has been a lesson we learned in business too, but from there, um, I went and negotiated a six-figure raise at another firm and left thinking, you know, maybe I'll make more money. That'll make it seem like a better career choice. And it didn't. You know, I was the only Black woman. I was tired of that. I didn't like the discrimination. I didn't like the, um, I didn't like the isolation. But I recently said this in an interview, and it holds true today. Like, I am so grateful that my boss was so disrespectful because had she not been a hard boss, um, borderline very rude. I don't think I ever would have been pushed to start this business or to start my own thing because I really like the stability of those checks every two weeks. So I'm really grateful for every trial because every time I have a bad trial or something that's challenging for me, it pushes me to a new level and a new dimension. And I'm a like my back's against the wall. I get creative. <laughs> like, so I feel like I can get, I can pray different. I prepare different. I develop different. And so thank God that I went through that position um, and just didn't feel appreciated because it allowed me to create something where I feel like my voice is heard. And that was incredibly important. So I guess now I'm more, I'm more open to whatever God has for me. But even now it's like, I know I'm called. It doesn't, it's still not clear exactly what the end game is. 
but I'm just listening in the process. Mm, no. Wow. So, so many thoughts, um, of what you just shared, uh, that I know will help a lot of women. So two words really stuck out to me as you were sharing. The first word is discipline. And secondly, what I'm hearing as you're talking is the power of mindset. And what I love about your story is that you are a woman of God, but you're also in the marketplace. And I love how you uniquely merge uh, you know, God and also skill, you know what I'm saying? Into what you do. So, so when it comes to creating a, um, a life of discipline in regards to, uh, walking in your purpose or walking and entering into what you desire to do, what does that look like? So how, how did you have to set up your life to make it to make it be more disciplined so that you can be able to receive, uh, you know, the growth and the promotion that was um, happening in your life. Well, the first thing was my view of God had to change from like a genie in the bottle type of image to God as like the director of my, my life. So I think at one point I had this viewpoint that was like, you know, if God loves me, what's for me is for me. If God loves me, I'll be blessed no matter what. Um, and I think that because I love God and I accept him as my Lord and Savior, I'll go to heaven. But if I want a certain lifestyle on earth, then I need to develop a level of discipline. Mm -hmm. And I need to have enough faith to be disciplined. Because I think that sometimes, depending on where you grow up and what your theology is, we kind of can make, we can reduce God to being a genie in the bottle. Like, I'm just going to pray for it. And if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And it's like, but if I pray for faith, then God will give me opportunities to exhibit faith. If I pray for peace, God will give me trials so that I can exhibit that even in that I actually am developing the muscle of peace, not that everything will be perfect in my life at all times. And so I had to develop a view of God that I'm strong enough to go through problems because he's working on the inside of me versus if God loves me, I won't go through anything. Mm. Because when I first had my conflict of faith, it was because I had the view that, you know, if God loved me, he would have never put me through that. So he can't love me like, like the Bible says he does. Mm -hmm. And that was the wrong viewpoint. So I really needed to adjust my view of who God is in my life and how his love shows up, even in trials and different circumstances. Yeah, that's so good. <laughs> um, you know, because, you know, with God and even with what he's called us to do, we are going to go through processes and we are going to go through the trenches, right? Because nothing worth having, right, is going to, you know, come easy. And um, I love how you just described that of how you've had to really even kind of shift your theology and being okay with that shift and knowing that as you continue to accept, you know, the truth and the grandness of who God was, you were able to actually make more impact and see a lot of change, um, you know, in the people that you were leading. Um, so I want to ask you, like, because even hearing your story of as a child, like you had, you know, parents who were intentional in developing your security and your identity and who you were um, and all that was within you. So 
as you, you know, became a lawyer, as you stepped out and you became an entrepreneur, what were some of, you know, the roadblocks uh, that you had, you know, to overcome and walk through in regards to um, your mindset and also just, you know, like as you're growing, as you're maturing, as you're letting go of old mindsets, that can also come with losing, you know, relationships. It can come with, you know, transition in your life that maybe you weren't planning on having to go through. So how did you handle that? Yeah, I think the biggest roadblock I had coming into entrepreneurship, specifically because I promoted my business online, mm -hmm. is I was looking around instead of looking up. Mm -hmm. And I should have been looking up at like the very top of the market, looking up at what God wanted me to do. But it's mm -hmm. so easy when you get online to look at your competition and compare yourself in a way that doesn't push you forward mm -hmm. or in a way that cheapens what you're actually called to do. Yeah. So I came online and instead of looking at, you know, okay, Ashley, you're, you're in a lane of one. Mm -hmm. Your experience is unlike most lawyers in the world. Like I knew the stats, only 14% of all lawyers, no matter what race you are, work at the level of firm that I worked at. It's called big law. It's only like 14 or so of the largest law firms in the world. 14% get to do that. Mm -hmm. So why I've decided to come online and price like every other lawyer who'd never done it, mm -hmm. like Northwestern's a top school. Very few lawyers go to, like I just wasn't thinking about my experience and what I was supposed to do and why being different was okay. Yeah. I was like, well, I got to look at my peers and try to see what they're doing when inevitably I believe when you are walking in what you are uniquely destined to do, it's like everything in your background helps you to do it, which means you don't really have peers in the same way you think. Like there isn't someone who is your equal in that thing that you're supposed to do. So that was a huge mistake. It messed up my profitability. I was trying to sell eBooks, which didn't make any sense um, for my audience. Like I just wasn't making, I wasn't making decisions based on the right data. I was making decisions based on what other people were doing. And that's a huge mistake. Um, but even with all that, it's still okay because it turned out to be great stories and helped me to be more relatable um, when I'm talking about our business and how we've grown it now. Mm -hmm. But that was a really, really, really big mistake. It's just thinking that I had to do what other people were doing just because it seemed like they were successful. And that was all outside looking in. Yeah. That was the biggest mistake, not staying focused. Yeah, no, that's really good because it is so easy to follow, you know, the blueprint of a person that you really respect, you know, that's successful in the same field, you know, that you're walking into when versus, like you said, looking up and seeing, okay, what is unique about my journey and how can I kind of forge a new path for other women who are like me, who need to see me step out and do this. So uh, with you, you know, making the decision to transition into entrepreneurship and be really um, intentional with creating a community um, of other entrepreneurs and women and men who were ready to also make uh, money and 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 grow an influence in their field um, of speaking. 
Um, how have you been able to, cause I love, you know, watching you and your husband and how you guys, um, how you host these events and you have people from all different walks of life, right? Some people that are believers, some people that are not believers. And you know, what I love about, you know, what you do is that you are a woman that is in, you know, the marketplace, you know, you're educated. You are a woman that's like, okay, God, I, want to not just be within the church. I want to also go outside of the church because, you know, we need people outside of the church to be doing things right. To be able to really be leaving influence. So how have you, how do you lead in that way? Because I feel like there are some listeners um, who may feel that their call is only restricted to a ministry position, right? Like pastoral or, uh, you know, a, a pastor, right? Where, how would you encourage and, you know, kind of give somebody permission to be able to think out the box when it comes to walking out their call? Um, how would you encourage them? I would say you have to be comfortable. Um, one of, one of the things that was hard for me was combining my faith and my business because on the business side, it's very clean. It's very, easy. It's like business isn't necessarily easy, but if I mess up a trademark or something, I don't feel like I'm offending God, you know, as long as I try it to the best of my ability, or if I mess up, you know, if I mess up a speech, but it's not like a sermon, I just didn't feel the pressures of faith. When I used to preach at church, I would be so nervous. I was like, oh my gosh, if I say one scripture wrong, this is it. God is going to come get me. He's going to speak to everyone and say, I'm a false prophet. This is crazy. I cannot handle this pressure. Like I would be so, it was so much pressure. But when I would speak, it was no pressure. I would just do what I was supposed to do. Um, so it was hard to combine them, but I was coaching people and I realized that I was actually doing them a huge disservice because I kept coaching people. I kept telling them exactly what to do to make money in their business. And it's a very clear process that we have and they weren't doing it. And I'm like, well, this is, this doesn't make any sense. Cause you, you said, if I told you what to do, you would do it very easy. And the Holy spirit placed on my heart. Like if they don't have the right mindset, they're not going to be able to do anything that you're teaching them to do. So you skipped a step in your curriculum. And hearing it like that was like, oh, this makes sense because I have confidence because of who I believe God is to me. So if I don't share my view of God, how God has changed my life, how God gives me confidence, how God helps me to speak out versus keeping me like muted in a closet. Like if I don't share why I'm not scared to live in my purpose and in my dreams, because I believe even if I make a mistake, God will cover it. That's what grace is for. Like, God doesn't hold me back. God pushes me forward. But there are a lot of views of God that hold people back and doesn't push them forward. And so they're saying, hey, Ashley, I am a believer because most of our audience are Christians. Hey, I am a believer, but um, I can't send a pitch. And I'm like, well, how? Because God created the whole universe. So you mean to tell me the God who gave you the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of your body can create an entire nation, world, all the different languages that exist, animals and everything, but will not give you the power to press send on a pitch. And when I would say it like that, then people would be like, oh, so I shouldn't leave my God at church. He comes with me everywhere. <laughs> and it was like, yes, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> like this is, this is what you need. If God gives you power, he does not stop that power the moment you leave four walls of a church house. You always have power. 
And when you look at the life of Jesus, what did he do? He built a team. He had the 12 disciples. Then he went around and shared his message. He said it to people who liked it and people who didn't like it, but he gave everyone an opportunity. That's likened to pitching. If you don't give people an opportunity to hear your message, then how can they, how can you say that your business is failing? Like it really does make sense and it works together. So that was, that's really what changed my mindset. When I started seeing it less as like, I'm proselytizing and more as if you don't share the foundation of your belief system, then people are only trying to get your results based on what they see. They aren't getting your results based on what you believe and what you believe is why you take the actions you do. So that really helped me when I heard it like that. So for those of you who are worried about it, it's like, one, you can, you can, you can preach to the choir, but what about the rest of the world? <laughs> Like it's nothing wrong with doing both. And I think just being comfortable that God will cover you. Just believe he has your back and go forward. Do what you're supposed to do. Yeah, that's so good. I love how how the Holy Spirit told you that because it's kind of like this framework, right? It's like, you know, you want people to really make impact, you know, but not impact for only a few years, right? You want them to make impact so that so that they can create legacy. And when you're able to have that healthy foundation, um, you know, then they're able, you know, to continue to win in every season. Um, so that's so good. So real quick, I want to go into because one thing I admire and respect about you is your love. Uh, for your family and also for your husband, you and your husband, you work together and you work closely together. And um, I always enjoy seeing you guys on stage together, traveling together. And, um, and I remember when my husband and I had brunch with you all. And I remember leaving that meeting and telling and telling him, babe, I really, I love them. I love her because we don't often see women who are in a leadership position like yourself really be able to embrace and love and even respect, you know, their spouse. And I'm not saying that that doesn't happen, but I know that I have seen more unhealthy versions of, you know, the uh, dynamics in marriage, whenever, let's say, you know, the wife is leading something, and then the husband, he's not really vocal, and you can just feel kind of weird vibes that he's not happy, or she's not happy. So what I loved seeing in your marriage is that you guys really are friends, you really enjoy doing what you do. And you guys, um, are just an amazing couple. So I would love, you know, for you to kind of share how it's been, you know, working with your husband and how do you guys keep things exciting? How do you guys um, even kind of have those hard conversations because you guys are business partners too. So I know that it's not always, you know, a cookies and cream, right? Like you guys have had hard moments. So how has it been working with your husband and how do you guys kind of overcome um you know, conflict or disagreements in building a business together. Yeah, it's been amazing. So a lot of people don't know this, but me and Chris got married at 22 and 23. So we've been married for um, almost 12 years now. And one of the things that I absolutely love is that when we got married, we both had dreams and aspirations, but we didn't have any money. So the great thing is everything we have, we've been able to build together. And that is 
I think that's something that I would just never trade for the world. Like we've lived in a $550 apartment together. We've been on food stamps together. And so now to have made millions together is like incredible. Um, but it, it, at first I always wanted him to work with me. So he, I would ask him, Hey, can you join the company? Can you join the company? And he was like, no, you need to make at least this much money. And then he was like, okay, well, if you could, if you could match my salary and we can have insurance, I'll join because while I'm building a business, just jumping off the ledge, Chris worked the whole time and like held it down and always had a steady paycheck. And he just was so supportive of everything that I did. When we got married, I wasn't even a lawyer. I went back to law school while we were married. So he would help me study for the bar, study for classes, all of my jobs that I applied for. We like put my resume packets together, together, um, sitting on the floor with all the different firms laid out, looking at maternity leave plans. And just, we just did everything together. And I think one thing that is incredibly important is as I grew, I remember times where I would be really growing in a new area and he didn't know anything about it. And I would come home and just be like, oh, I'll just talk to my friends about it. And he would say, well, you need to have the same grace with me that you have with your friends. And it really hurt my feelings because I was just like, oh, my goodness, I am giving more grace to people who have not committed to tie their lives to me um, than I'm giving my husband. And so it was in those moments that I decided, OK, we're going to grow together. I'm going to um, I'm going to if I know something and he doesn't know it, I'm going to teach him and vice versa. That way we don't grow apart. And. I decided that very deliberately because I um, I feel like God gave me a word one time and it was like, Chris is, Chris is going to be with you forever. So no matter what happens, I feel like I got assurance from the Holy Spirit that Chris is going to be with you. And I almost feel like I got that assurance. I remember writing it down like on a piece of paper, like, Chris, this is what I heard from the Lord. And I feel like I got that assurance because as you grow, Natasha, I'm sure you and Jamal have experienced this, like people people leave, you know, people that you love leave people that you thought were your family. See, one of my friends was like, yeah, you got to realize you're the check. Now you're writing a lot of checks now. So people treat you like the check. They don't treat you like a person that has feelings and that has hard times and that isn't perfect. But my husband has never treated me like that. He's always been, no matter how big we get or what shows I'm on or whatever, he's like, all right, well, I got your back. Like, I love you. And he sees me at my best and at my worst, and he still loves you. Whereas your audience and your fans and whatever else, your your customers, your people, they see you at your best, your curated best. And so for them to love you doesn't take as much faith as someone who sees you at your worst. Um, so when we have a hard conversation, um, I'm the apologizer. So if if anything goes wrong, I don't care. I'll just be like, all right, I'm sorry. Cause I'm not, I'm like, we're gonna be together forever. So I'm sorry. Like, it's fine. Let's figure it out. Let's fix it. I don't care. I will, I will apologize. I, I'm not, I'll apologize to anyone. I just am not big on having to be right. You know, there's sometimes where it's harder to apologize than others, but if it's between us not being on the same page and my ego, like I'm gonna choose us being on the same page in spite of how I feel about it. So the best, um, the best thing that ever has happened to me is be, being married to Chris. And our company did not hit over seven figures in revenue until Chris joined full time. And I praise God for that because then I can't even say that, you know, I did it on my own or he wasn't there for it or he wasn't a part of it. Every time he's told me something to do in business and I've listened, we've grown. And I started to realize I hear God through my husband. Like if I just would humble myself 
and listen to what he's saying, there is divine wisdom that God will give him only because I would only listen to it from him, you know, some things. So it's been a huge, huge, huge blessing. Um, in business, what we've had to do is just separate roles <laughs> because we like he's over sales. Um, he does specifically sales at events. He does a lot of the one-on-one coaching sales calls. And I do a lot of the selling from the stage. He's big on one-to-one connection. I'm big on one-to-many connection. So now that we know that's our strengths, we kind of play in those those areas and we hire around our strengths. But he's also more empathetic than me. So we know like for team member, tough conversations, those are best from him. And we just kind of explain to our team, look, Ashley's very like, I'm very like, I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to get it done. I don't really like hearing excuses or reasons for things going wrong. Chris is way better for that type of stuff. So I'm like, hey, let's talk to him about it. He'll translate in a way that makes sense to me. Um, but it, it's a blessing. I'll say to any woman, do not get caught up. Like you have so many traps on the path to success. You have money as a trap. You have adoration as a trap. You have fame as a trap. You have influence as a trap. All the traps can also be blessings, but I feel like there's a trap door <laughs> by everything that can also be considered a blessing. And you have to remember, you know, if you vow before man and God, that that's going to be your person, then you have to do everything in your power when you have a good partner and you're not being abused or anything like that to work on your relationship. And that really involves working on yourself and working on how you communicate with your partner. Um, every argument we've had has been because I didn't communicate it in a way that showed that I loved him. And so I have to always be watching that because of my natural personality, but yeah, it's not worth it. Like you have to, you have to know where love really is and not be confused that people's adoration of you is love. Yeah. I mean, Ashley, you just gave a whole word here. I can relate to a lot of what you were saying and, um, it's so healthy. And at the end of the day, you know, being in business together and you know, our journey too, and even just with stepping out with called women in a new way, we're now learning a, a new dynamic, right. Um, of leading together and, and me leading, you know, individually. So those are just good tools for women who are in business right now, or they ultimately want their husband to also be in business with them. Um, it's wisdom because at the end of the day, what we've learned with, you know, the peak of success is that the only thing that matters at the end of the day is your relationship, your family, who your husband, you know, like what your husband says about you, what your wife says about you and what your children say about you. Um, because it really is a trap, like the money trap, you know, there it's exciting to have wealth. It's exciting to have influence, but if you, if you're not anchored in something, uh, steady and something healthy, um, if you're not anchored in true love, um, in regards to you and God, you and your husband, you and your children, then it's not even worth it, right? Like I tell my husband, I was like, even if we didn't have the success that we had, like I would still want to be with you, right? I would still live in a little shack with you because um, 
because that's how we started out too. And I think that is really beautiful being able to build something with someone and to be able to see the fruit of your labor. So real quick, because you were dropping some gems, right? You know, for the married couples, but I know that there are some women who are single, who are in business or they're walking out their call and they're like, okay, how... How should I approach a man if I get into a relationship? You know, what should I look for in a mate? Um, yeah, because we have a lot of singles too who who feel like, well, I'm doing this and God's called me to this and the man needs to be doing this in order to rock with me. Um, so it's like, how would you how would you encourage them with wisdom in regards to like looking for a spouse and also what to be like gracious in? right? Because you and your husband started from the bottom and now you guys are on the top and you're continuing to grow. So what are some things that single woman should be looking for in a mate? Yeah, I would say character over cash. That's good. Because <laughs> honestly, I have seen, even in my, my parents' relationship, my dad had a huge company and lost a lot, you know, and I saw my mom go from never having to work, MX cards, shopping all the time to like having to go to work, you know, when things got tough and through it all, she stayed with him. And I've also seen family members where they had a whole lot of money. They lost it and their partner left mm -hmm. as soon as it was gone. And it's like that money, money changes. Like yeah. you want some, you want to get with someone for something stable mm -hmm. because also I feel like we, me and my husband just talked about that this year we had the most carefree fun when we didn't have a lot of money because we didn't have any pressure. Yeah. You know, when you start paying salaries and you start when what you do grants a whole, like hundreds of other people income, just if you stay doing what you're doing, that pressure is a little yeah. bit different. You know, it's not as lighthearted. Mm -hmm. We still have a lot of fun, but when I think back on our early marriage years, it was just all fun. It was no responsibilities, no nothing. It was great. Um, and so I'm really grateful that I didn't choose based on what he had. Also, um, my husband isn't a jealous person, mm -hmm. which means he's not jealous of me either. Mm -hmm. And I counsel a lot of women. 98% of our clients are women. And um, what we've seen is we've seen some incredible marriages. And sometimes we see that once you start really go, especially if you weren't doing that before, you were just kind of chilling, you were at home, you're cooking him dinner, you're doing all the things he likes. Then you start getting this call and now you want to not cook dinner. You want to like, <laughs> you want to do some other stuff. You want to have other ambitions. We've seen partners get very upset about that. So I think marrying for character is critically important because one, you don't want a partner who's competing with you. Yeah. And I've seen that. It's wild because y'all are one, but I've seen it like, manifest itself you want a partner who is stable mm -hmm. because Chris has dealt with a lot of stuff just by being married to me and it wasn't even like I did anything it would be like people at events coming up to him oh your wife makes more money than you mm. you must feel so bad about that like someone literally said that wow and Chris was just like Chris was like I don't know what you're talking about you know my I'm so proud of my wife I'm so incredibly grateful for what she does she's incredible mm -hmm. and if he were an insecure man he would have been mad at me at home going off on me because of what some ignorant person said mm -hmm. so you never you need someone strong but strong doesn't mean macho mm -hmm. like strong means like stable 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like stable in character, stable in thought, stable in the way he protects you. Chris never changes up. Mm-hmm. Um, he's consistent. He doesn't get rattled easily, whereas mm-hmm. I do. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if I get rattled easily, but I definitely, my emotions be emotioning sometimes. Yeah. Like, I'll be like, I can't believe this is happening. What's going on? What are we going to do? And he'll be like, it'll be fine. We'll work it out. Yeah. We'll figure out a plan. Like, you really do need to know yourself well enough to know what it is what it is by character you need. Also where I was weak, he was strong. Mm -hmm. So do a spiritual self-assessment where I was weaker, even with studying the Bible and reading the word and interpreting scripture, Chris was a lot stronger. And he'd be like, no, this is how you interpret this. Or have you considered this way of looking at it? Okay, let's go to the word. Um, Let's pray. Uh, Spiritual gifts. He taught me a lot about spiritual gifts. So I feel like that Mm -hmm. money stuff, don't, don't get caught up in culture. Yeah. You need what the Bible says you need. You need to look at what love is in the Bible and that's what you should desire. There's a reason why a commandment is not thou shalt not marry rich. That's yeah. not a commandment. So like, you need to just do what the, the word says you should do and look out for character over everything else. No, and I am, we were celibate too. We weren't, our, we were celibate too. Yeah, that's a part of our, our love story. Yeah. We did decide to do that. So we really got to know each other. Mm-hmm. because y'all know the physicals involved. You'd be looking past a lot of stuff. At least yeah. I did back in the day. So like, I know <laughs> for those of you out there who haven't figured that out, that is a good journey to, to do. Yeah. Like, I feel like I prayed and told God I was going to be celibate. And then I met Chris within 30 days mm. and that may or may not be your story. And then we were married within, um, I think six or seven months. Mm-hmm. And it was a beautiful courtship of conversation and intimacy without physicality. Mm-hmm. And um, that really helped me get to know him. I don't think I would have gotten to know him on this level if we were doing other things. So we just wanted it to be blessed and right from the start. So wherever, whatever you've done in the past, you can also choose that as a part of your journey. No, that's good. That's good. I hope you guys heard that. It's character over cash, okay? Because yeah. that is what lasts and also just being married to somebody who is stable someone that could be a stabilizer um in the relationship and again looking at the word of god of uh, what does it mean to be a husband what does it mean to to you know walk as one together and i think it's just super dope hearing your story because it's like you guys are living out a healthy biblical marriage right but you're you are doing it in um in alignment with what god has graced you guys to do as a couple and you guys are making that impact so ashley i have enjoyed our conversation so much Uh, but before we end this call i would love for you to just um share what does it mean to be a called woman to you like what does it mean to live a called life um, you know, as a woman, how would you like personalize that in alignment with how you live your life as a called woman? That is a really good question. Um, I think for me, it's just that my faith trumps my present facts. So I'm living in faith versus living in facts. Um, facts are important, but I cannot be tied to any one period of my life if I'm living out a called life. And I can't be tied to certain accomplishments, certain ways of doing things. I have to be flexible because faith can propel you places that what you've done or even your resume can't. Um, It's really living a supernatural life. 
which that word scared me for a while because it would be kind of, I don't know, uncertain. But to me, that just means living a life where what you pray about and what you work towards, you will see, even if it doesn't feel like you'll see it. And it doesn't mean I'm always certain about the exact next step, but it does mean I keep taking steps in the direction that I'm sure about. Yeah. So, so good, Ashley. This is such a great way to, to end our conversation. I know right now ladies are thinking, how can I stay connected with this, you know, dynamic woman? Um, so I'd love for you to share how people can stay connected with you. Yes. So you can stay connected with me um, on Instagram. That's a platform I'm very active on. You can go to at the Ashley Nicole show. And if you click the link in my bio, there's a green button that'll give you the first part of my book for free and it's on mindset. So I'd highly recommend that you all grab that. And also in the speak your way to cash Facebook group. Yes. Thank you so much, Ashley, for joining us at the called women podcast. And I look forward to continuing to see how God uses you to impact women and men all over the world. Thank you. Thanks for having me. What did you think of today's episode? I hope you loved it as much as I did. If you found any value in this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you downloaded this episode by hitting that little down arrow wherever you're listening. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to hit the subscribe button. If you have any big takeaways from today's episode, feel free to share it with a friend that you think would benefit from this episode. I absolutely love hearing how you feel about the episodes that I'm sharing and creating for you. So feel free to tag me on social media with any truths or breakthroughs that you have received. I love reading what you find the most value in. Thank you again for being here today. And I pray that you felt the love of God through today's episode. And always remember that you belong in God's story.